At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good afternoon, my conscious co-creators. Welcome to another edition of the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I am very, very pleased that you are all here with me today. I've got such a wonderful show in store for you. I am super excited about today's guest, and I can't wait to bring her on. But first, of course. Oh, by the way, did you catch the the episode of Dismantle Racism with Reverend Dr. TLC uh, right before uh, my show? Oh, such a good show today. Something uh, really eye-opening. So let's start off, of course, as we always do with uh, my little section from my book, Everyday Awakening. And uh, we're, we're moving through these pretty quickly. I, I have, I'm sneaking suspicion I'll probably be through the book before the end of the year. And then I got to figure out what am I going to do next year? Just kick off my show. So today's section of my book is entitled, Let the Light of Our Years Be Greater Than Our Years in the Light. Growing older is not about growing old. As we accumulate years, we gain in so many ways. We gain experience, wisdom, and perspective. Yet the numbers on the calendar do not dictate our frame of mind, the energy in our heart, or the twinkle in our eye. We have a choice, as we do with everything, to embrace, enjoy, and enliven our latter years with a youthful energy, an innocence, and an energy that says to the world that we were we are always young at heart. Or we can choose to focus on all the loss, the bitterness, the deprivation we have experienced and make our world darker, decrepit, and depressing. Any day above ground is a good day, it has been said. As long as we have breath, we can give more life, give more love, and give more light to the world around us. Our days are numbered, and no one knows exactly how many we have. Let us live as if each day is the best day we have ever had, 
regardless of whether we have had few of them or many of them. Let us smile, our heart, our words, and our energy contribute to the joy of the world in the world, especially if it's our last day in the world. What better way to be remembered? So this um this little section I wrote, I, I guess it was after a conversation I had with someone many years ago around, um, you know, as we get older and we start dealing with more infirmities and maybe our health isn't quite as good as it was when we were younger, we're not as strong, we're not as, don't have as much vim and vigor. But that doesn't mean we don't have so much to contribute. That does not mean that that we still cannot approach life with uh, uh, an enthusiasm that we had when we were younger, sometimes even more than what we had when we were younger. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, it's kind of interesting because since I, I wrote this section, a number of things have happened in my own life that just, for me, like make it even more true, make it more relevant than it was ever before. I mean, the first of which was my mom passing when she was 99 and a half. And, you know, my mom, she, she had a ton of energy. She would go here and there. I mean, she changed, she moved countries. I mean, she moved to Israel to be close to my sister and my sister's kids when she was 91 years old. Not too many people I know would do that over the age of 90. You know, how many people would move to a different environment? Yet somehow I feel that because she did that, she actually lived longer. That in some ways, going to Israel, she had a better life uh, there in in a small country, being close to my sister in a country where family is very important. And, you know, my sister would pick her up for, for Shabbat dinner every Friday night. And she made new friends and people would invite her over, which, which she, although she had friends here, though most of them died, I think, before she left. Um, you know, at 91, not, not too many people can keep up with you. Um, but, but she had such a good life there. That was one thing. And then the other thing that I, I just want to touch upon, and there are several other things that I think have happened over the last, several years since, since I came out with the book that that make this even more relevant, but just the whole idea that any day above ground, I think, you know, with the pandemic, and keep in mind, I wrote this before the pandemic, okay? Mm-hmm. But I think we've all gotten to value our health, gotten to value life so much more that, yeah, any day above ground, as long as we have our breath, as long as we've got one more chance, it's a good day. But the other thing that that was a very recent, and I've mentioned this, I think I mentioned this on the show after I came back from the conference in Denver, was seeing uh, Dr. Roland Griffiths on stage, on the keynote stage, talking about how after years and years of doing research with, with cancer patients, with psilocybin, how he found out a few months ago that he had stage four colon cancer. And 
I think, and not just because of his research, he's also a longtime meditator. I think he said he has a practice of like 25 years of meditation and that he actually is approaching his imminent demise, not with dread, not with sadness, although he says he does have good days and bad days, but with curiosity with with wonder because he was facing death the greatest mystery of around life and he had such poise and such peace around it that it, not only was it inspirational but emotional like there was this auditorium of, you know, eight to 10,000 people listening to him and there was not a dry eye in the house when he finished. And I, and I just thought to myself, wow, if, if I could have that kind of peace, uh, 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 lightheartedness, curiosity, when I know I'm I'm about to die, I, that to me would be sort of the ultimate. Like, yeah, I'm 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 good. Like, I'm I'm good. If I could do that, I'd be really good. So, do you want to read this today? And 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 I, to be honest, like I haven't looked at this section of my book. I haven't seen this since you know I put the book together and launched it. It means a lot more today than even when I wrote it. And it's just, it's just kind of funny that way. And, and so, and, and very apropos for what we're going to talk about today. But I guess what I would love for you, my loyal listeners to take away this week from this section of my book is that regardless of our external circumstances, regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of the challenges that we deal with pretty much on a daily basis these days, that that doesn't mean there has to be less light in our days, less joy, less less curiosity, less energy. Sure, we all slow down a little bit as we get older. How much sort of depends on our lifestyle and ourselves. But we can choose to still have that twinkle in our eye. We can choose to look at things as opportunities or look at things as situations and challenges and things that bring down our energy. And so for those of you out there who are listening to this, if you're hearing these words, then there's something in this message for you. And I hope, I pray, and my intention is that this little section will, will touch you in a way that will remind you to have a little more light in your years. So that's the section of my book, Let the Light of Our Years Be Greater Than Our Years in the Light. 
Right? It's not not how long we have on this planet, it's what we do with it. So, and and that's the this section from my book, Everyday Awakening, which of course you can always find at everydayawakeningbook.com. And uh, that just takes you, as I always say, to the Amazon listing. But if you're like me and you love to support small independent bookstores, just ask them to order Everyday Awakening by Sam Leibowitz. Um, We're in a major distributor, so you can get it anywhere. All right. So now it is my extreme pleasure to welcome to the show speaker, strategist, therapist, innovation leader, and fellow podcast host, Dr. Natanya Wachtel. Uh, Dr. Natanya is an award-winning customer marketing expert with extensive experience growing and scaling B2B and D2C businesses, leveraging behavioral science principles and emerging digital tools. For over 20 years, Dr. Wachtel has built effective go-to-market strategies and driven successful conversations and growth for the most significant brands in health and wellness pharmaceutical and biotech, medtech, and edtech. She is the founder of New Solutions Network, a pioneering specializing, specialized consulting network of behavioral science, marketing, and healthcare tech experts focused on launching new products and building customer loyalty. Dr. Natanya is also the co-founder of Evermore, an empathy AI-powered medtech startup, And additionally, she serves as strategic advisor to several wellness startups and is the board chair of Women Who Create, a mentor and scholarship program for women of color. For the past two decades, she has spent considerable time and energy building awareness and driving solutions for the growing mental health crisis, including the challenges and disparities in access to care access to education for marginalized groups, and access to nutrition and fresh food. Welcome to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Dr. Natanya. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. I've been been so looking to have you come on my show ever since our initial conversations and someone connected us. And and I I just, to be honest, fell in love with this woman because she (laughs) has so much energy. She's so smart. And 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 I I love your perspective on things, but I'm just curious. You 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 do a lot in in uh, in business, in technology, in healthcare. How did you like cultivate or get all these these interests together? Well, thank you. I I'll try and shed a little light. I'll do it maybe unconventionally with an with a little story. Sure. And uh hopefully tie it also to what you opened the episode with and our show today around focusing on the good in the day, right? That you have because you woke up. And um evolving and growing and not fighting that evolution towards, you know, the elephant in the room, death, whenever that might be. Um, but keeping energy and spirits high, that invigorating energy can, I believe, sustain you throughout life and help your, your, I'll just say brain, uh, continue to want to form new neural connections that enrich your lives and hopefully those around you. And that really was inspired in me from my parents. Um, I was very fortunate. They were both pretty uh, well, one is living, one isn't. I was going to say incredible humans. Uh, My father, 
as a chemical engineer. And when he was running with laboratories and I was about 14, he would bring home, I'd always have an interest in tech computers. And uh, this was uh, to date me a little bit, but this was Unix days. So before <laughs> Windows and computers were logical instruments, right? So there was a code that decided how things worked on that computer. Now, I didn't have any real training. I had, you know, whatever was basic coding in school that we were learning, like to move a cow, make a fake game with, you know, go up, turn left, like very minimal command knowledge. But I just kept plugging away at commands until I could figure out how to get into the operating instructions and the directions in the libraries and reroute them and find essentially breaks in the code to then make them usable again for the laboratory use. I didn't understand really anything that the lab was doing on the computer, but I understood maybe how to find a way in into that. And so that was something and I did that for free, you know, <laughs> computers to have. Wild labor, right? Eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I also, um, that's how my medical knowledge was built because I got paid um, 50 cents, I think, a, a monograph to proofread. <laughs> so my medical oh. terms, that that's kind of helps a bit, I guess, later. So it, it's, it's a double-edged, you know, sort of, or, or benefit on both ends, actually. Mm. Um, and my mother, uh, who is also passed like yours, un- unfortunately, and was also incredibly like fiery spirit to the last moment, uh, worked at the end for Lucent, but before that AT&T and before that Bell Labs and was kind of in the pioneering space around technology and communication. And communication appealed to the other side of me of the tech around connecting with humans and other humans and more. And having been a global citizen living in many different countries in the world in my younger days and seeing inside and speaking different languages was always interested in how to kind of keep that vibrant interconnectedness going. And I was young, so I was limited access and phone calls still cost money. Yeah. So, and there, and you know, dial up wasn't even a thing yet. Right. But there was mm-hmm. something. So because of my mom's job, she would bring home, um, new tech for us to test. And one of the earliest ones was a basically what looked like, um, a typewriter with, you know, a little small screen that was, you know, gray. And it had these two re- cups in it that you would take the telephone, you know, the thing that was attached to the wall receiver and put it in the cups and di- dial a phone number. And you could call someone in another country and play games. And I thought that was awesome and do like very basic messaging. Um, and I loved it. I just it was that was the beginning. And it yes. from there exploded, obviously. Yeah, I, I remember those early days. I mean, there were no manuals. You were given no. some, you had to, <laughs> you had to, you had figure to totally it figure it out on your own. Uh, all right, listen, we, we got to take our first break. So when we come back, uh, I'd love to know why you became a doctor. You became a therapist and and sort of, you know, with your love of tech, like where that has brought you to today, like how you kind of are bridging these worlds of both sort of psychology and people and communications and then technology and and wrapping it together. And we are going to get to some really fun stuff a little later in the conversation. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We do this every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern right here on talkradio.nyc and all across social media on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Twitch. And we will be right back with our guest, Dr. Natanya Wachtel, in just a moment. 
Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. I see loyal listener Patty, as always, checking in on the Facebook Live, uh, building for Habitat for Humanity in Bellingham, Washington. Wonderful, Patty. Glad you could join us today. Um, always, always warms my heart to see you checking in. Um, so, so Natanya, um, with your love of tech, why did you become a therapist? Uh, you got to unmute. Apologies. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I really, and to be clear, I'm not licensed or practicing. I, I, now I really wanted to help people from an early age. I thought I wanted to be um, a brain surgeon originally. I, I kind of had a few twisty career paths, like many of us, uh, was working or some early jobs, you know, babysitting what you could do, mm-hmm. camp counselor, that kind of stuff in the early days and was sort of given the difficult children often in my group, like, oh, and I, and I found sort of intuitively ways to connect with people of all different backgrounds, all different. And again, that's what I was saying, sort of that global citizen thing helped that it felt, and it felt good to have people um, be able to share and then feel better. I think the reason I am not a traditional therapist is because what I learned in training, and I had several fits and starts through education, uh, you know, it wasn't all continuous, such that uh, 
I felt like the traditional therapy, and again, this is respectfully said to be clear, Mm -hmm. but it Mm -hmm. didn't fit with the way I, what, what drove me because it was a being a passive listener and kind of doom spiral supporter. And I wasn't really Mm -hmm. into that. I wanted to really just help people feel better from one conversation. And so now that has shifted, right? And there's different kinds of therapies that and modalities that help work that way. And I'd say it's more akin to, even though it gets a bad name sometimes, coaching um, Mm -hmm. or resilience and empowerment, you know, mindset, growth mindset, enablement. So that's kind of what I've done uh, with families, with folks of um, very difficult life, lifestyles, means, minority groups, folks who didn't have everything that I had and get them to trust me being other and be able to connect and see them and then help bring that forward. But at the same time, I was a practical immigrant family entrepreneur. So I was working in business and combining sort of marketing psychology, customer psychology, behavioral science with that human element. But I also slanted towards patients, right? Patient advocacy, patient well-being, patient communication, patient education, health literacy, all those kinds of things around how we get, like you said, um, unfortunately about, you know, the diagnosis of a terminal illness or show up in the ER on the worst, you know, what is kind of the worst day of your life, maybe that day as your worst self and in stress and that impact on the brain, that cognitive load that gets affected in terms of how we can even process information, how we can feel about getting up and out of bed when we get that bad news and how we can work with all the tools that we have to do that. And for me, tech, and this is how the intersection comes, tech is a way to empower and power the ability to do that for more people in more places. And that's kind of how it works for me. It's to keeping the human in the loop and um, using science and psychology to make it relevant and trustworthy and mm-hmm. meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're like me and like you've seen a lot of changes both in medicine and in technology over the years, right? I mean, if we, you know, when I think back to like when I was a kid, when, when my mom would take me to the local doctor and get a checkup, he used to smoke cigars. He was overweight. Candy I, I mean, on the desk, candy yeah. jar on the desk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it's such a different um world we live in now isn't it like like just the advances in technology and 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 not just the, the um, in the medical technology but like not just in 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 stuff like maybe robotics or whatever but but even just basic medicine understanding how the body works and understanding you know how to best support the body and and actually, I've seen more and more that what lights my heart up is in the last 10, 20 years is people being much more aware of the idea of wellness as opposed to, you know, we call it health care, but it's really sick care, right? It's, yeah, it's, especially you know, in this country. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that that it's all about taking care of ourselves and 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 and, and being better. I'm curious, you, you, you've seen a lot and, and we're in the middle of a, a huge change. Do you have any sense of where you think things are going between this intersection of technology and healthcare? Well, I think the, the flashpoint now is personally is, is in AI, right? So mm-hmm. most people have heard of AI, artificial intelligence, right? And right. what's interesting, and I think for this show is fun to talk about. And the only time I really get to talk about that intersection of a journey towards higher consciousness mm-hmm. and tech. And it's right. sort of 
seems incongruous, right? So it's AI, smart robots and self-driving cars and taking away jobs. But also it can be a partner in self-discovery and mental wellness. And so as you spoke about in the beginning, in terms of focusing on the positive, I think that's another way to look at AI and wellness, as you said, or health mm-hmm. and um, consciousness, even elevated consciousness and well-being. And that it is really a tool akin to maybe fire that can help bring about a better life, but it needs to be, you know, dealt with with caution and perhaps yeah. some safety rules and perhaps some supervision. Um, and so there is a responsibility in all of us in terms of what we do as citizens, uh, citizens of the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I believe there will be many changes coming in m- m- global governments, as well as obviously within the U.S. government around hopefully protections for our data and this use and what happens to us and that's this sort of really, really explosive time in history what that we're into right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see a lot of people in technology, not a lot, but I see some people in technology sort of raising the red flags around privacy, around um, uh, uh, intellectual property. I mean, you see like some, you know, famous Hollywood uh, uh, comedians and, and actors are like suing AI companies because they train their AI uh, data um, um, programs on copyrighted material. So there's some concern around that. Um, so it's really interesting to see like, where is this all going to lead? And I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I usually use a very simple analogy instead of fire. I just say it's like a hammer, right? You can use a hammer to build a house like Patty is doing right now in Washington, or you could use a hammer to kill someone. So it all depends on the person holding the hammer and what's their intention behind it. And so that kind of comes back to human beings and, and how are we, what's our, what's our level of consciousness. And, you know, as much as I feel there seems to be so much chaos happening in the world today. There, there's a lot of disruption. Um, there's a lot of quote unquote craziness that we see. Um, but that also means there's an opportunity because now we're more aware of it. So yeah. there was always craziness in the world. It's just how much were we aware of the craziness around the world? We might've been aware of it in our own neighborhood or our own house, but we weren't aware, that aware of it globally but with the development of communications being instantaneous and the fact that, you know, we have this small device and we can connect to anyone anywhere in the world with it, that's pretty revolutionary. So the communications now in combination with this technology that is that, that leverages intelligence is something new that we've never really seen before. Right. So, you know, most of us look use certain tools to elevate your well-being, right? So mm-hmm. AI has been learning to assist in the same mission. So mm-hmm. we're evolving to be the best version of ourselves, hopefully. And AI is a tool that can actually maybe fast track your growth, but it also can hinder it. So I think yes. that's a really great point. And that's the duality of it, right? So we're looking to improve, to improve our consciousness, and you can mirror those potential onto AI. So for example, you wake up one morning and your AI assistant can give you insights into your sleep quality, suggesting personalized meditation techniques for the day ahead. And that's AI working towards your well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can 
open a mindfulness app and, you know, get a guided meditation, potentially get some information about, you know, a new yoga regimen. There's a lot of things that you can do there that are very helpful on the flip. And we'll get into it a little later. There are ethical concerns because AI isn't a singular thing. Um, I'm, I'm assuming most of your listeners know this, that sort of AI databases are built uh, and fed information. And as you said, that information was created by humans. So that information could be biased. It can have algorithms. It can have emotional intelligence that is um, slanted towards whoever created it. It can be factually incorrect. And it can also be copyright material that may or may not be appropriate to give out for free when in other areas, let's say, content, there are paywalls that put a block between what you can access. So all of those things come together. There's also security around, you know, your data, what it is about you, your genetic sequence, your health, your proclivities uh, that could be available to potential employers to limit a job or to have someone do your job, as you said, in education. There is quite a bit of a fervor around AI replacing learning right? That students using AI will not learn anymore. I mean, that is a feeling that many educators have. Um, Many institutions banning AI generated answers for exams and that kind of thing, although it's not always clear how that works because sometimes the AI will recognize things as computer generated because the source file was not what the student did with it. That's just like using a reference material. So it's really interesting in terms of um, all the different sectors. I mean, we're focusing today on health and wellness, and that's a little bit more my purview, but across financial services, legal services, you know, across the board. And like I said, even in the sort of lifestyle areas of wellness, well-being, higher order consciousness, connecting with other humans, obviously AI is playing a huge role in all of this. Uh, if you're using apps for dating or meeting up or groups mm-hmm. or clubs, mm-hmm. AI is helping empower those connections. If mm-hmm. you're using, um, you know, you're shopping AI, yeah. powering your recommendations <laughs> and building a profile about you for other retailers just to buy and serve you up product information. So it's kind of, you know, it's here to stay. And so instead of maybe fighting it, find a way to understand how to connect better with it, use it and, you know, sort of know thine enemy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's let's take our next break, and when we come back, I want to talk about what you're seeing in terms, and and I'll reflect what I'm seeing in terms of people's attitudes towards AI, and then what's really the reality of it, because there's a lot of stories we create around this stuff, um, and, and tons of science fiction movies, which I love, all around it. But what's the reality, and what's really happening now? Okay. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're speaking this hour with Dr. Natanya Wachtel, and we'll be right back after this. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? 
Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D., the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Okay, Dr. Natanya, so I, I mentioned to you before the show that I was in a networking group yesterday, and I asked people how they were feeling about AI, and there were like uh, four other people in this breakout room, and myself and one other person said we were excited about it, and three people said they they were nervous or scared or mm-hmm. worried about it. Um, what are you seeing? I mean, you're, you're in, in kind of the thick of things out there in, in business and in healthcare and, and, and technology. What are you seeing in terms of people's attitudes and, and what's the reality of what's actually happening these days with AI and healthcare? Well, I'll pull up, I guess, a stat from Pew because that's a pretty respected, I believe, polling institution, right? So the Pew Research Center just recently put out a survey that said, more than half, but not, you know, 52% or so of Americans are now more concerned about the effects of AI than they're excited about it. And the reason that's really interesting is because, well, I'll also say that, you know, 10% say they're more excited than concerned and 36% say they have a mix, right? But this is really interesting also because it's a huge, it's a considerable shift from the same survey they released eight months ago in December, Mm. right? So in December, only 38% said they were more concerned and excited about technology. So that's 14 points of change in just eight months. Wow. But, you know, it's possible there's some context here, right? Because in this time, ChatGPT had just launched. And that was one of the first sort of everyone can touch and feel it, smell it. Mainstream news started reporting on the beginning. And I think there was an initial excitement about that possibility. And then in months since, perhaps, you know, this mainstream media attention has gotten a fervor around the, you know, gloom and doom and the risks, because that's what, you know, dominates the news. Um, And which gets people to perhaps evaluate it. And those early adopters are folks who started to sort of touch this new tool, uh, started to be impressed by it, but also perhaps terrified with its by its power. And it becomes more real rather than the possibility, right? And they may or may not feel like they have a way to control what what happens. And that's a big part of what this is, is the trust and loss of control to things outside that would determine things for your life and even your 
your mortality, right? Like a treatment mm-hmm. decision being made by AI. So that's kind of why I think there's a shift of, of more concern than excitement in the current day, because we're, it's not just a concept. It's a tool right. that's now in your hands and it's pretty powerful. Right. And, and, and it is in, in, and I've been following some thinkers and, and talking to people around who are in the AI world and, and they really see it's uh, some, and, um, you know, it's it, a lot of people have balanced views, but some people don't. Some people are like, no, we've got to slow down research. We've got to stop. It, it's not good. And then other people are like, there, there's, this could totally transform not just society, but the world and give us the ability to literally create paradise on earth because we can use it to solve problems we've never been able to solve before. Absolutely. So yes, there's many researchers like sounding the alarm. Congress met in this last month with big tech, right? About what Mm -hmm. are you doing? Although many people, myself included, thought that it was sort of light in in how it was done and didn't really, I think it was more sort of a glossing over of the basics, maybe of pre-step one, but it's a start that people are paying attention, especially when we've seen from the last set of discussions with Congress, how little that a lot of the representatives that are elected understand technology anyway, or even the internet. So we have a long way to go. That said, there are things being put into place to protect us. um, And there are things we can do. Hmm. So, but on the flip, right, millions of people are already integrating AI for mindfulness practices, right? The the apps we talked about, they can adapt to your learning style. They can become a gateway for you to get knowledge that you might not otherwise had, depending on what kind of learner you are. They can help you grasp complex philosophies, spiritual practices in ways that you might not have otherwise done. You know, how many of us, I mean, I'm not trying to say we don't read because you're an author, but (laughs) even myself, who was a voracious reader because television was restricted for me as a child, hence the the nerdy part. um, You know, I don't in the way that I did in terms of certainly not, you know, fiction and novels. I I do several books at a time in in chunks. Um, So it's a really great way to kind of make things more accessible for you and to you. And, you know, AI driven mindfulness apps can even identify stress patterns and recommend Mend personalized, you know, routines for wellness, right? So mm-hmm. you can help be broken free from limiting beliefs and identify subconscious patterns and suggest transformative actions. So these are incredible things and it's free. It's, you may or may not have internet access in your home, but there are now many places, libraries and community centers that offer internet access. And so if you can get there, you can get that access. And that I think is an incredible thing that shouldn't be understated, right? So that's the future where you can get guided to a deeper state of mindfulness. And that's, you know, potentially a better state of peace, but there is some, some discerning parts, right? So how this tool is used, we talked about, right? Um, right. That's a really big part of it. Um, this is a critical time. How we engage with technology, what we share, how we share it um, can, like I said, be a connection to higher self, but also there's a real chance for, for danger and bias. So the algorithms that fed the AI, as I said, they're created by humans and these can perpetuate harmful stereotypes perhaps even negatively affecting your perception and consciousness, right? So in my, it's my personal belief that AI can't replace human intuition or emotional intelligence today. Right. Not wholly and not as a universal body of humans because there is a small 
subset of data that fed the AI databases that are used today that are not representative of the whole of society. So therefore, those biases are there. Those stereotypes are there. And I'm not talking about the most obvious outspoken ones, but they could be micro and they could be throughout. So that's a caution in terms of decisions about who gets access to support and care and resources or who gets denied a job or gets their job replaced. You know, those things are there. So relying on the AI too much, I think, is a danger. Using the AI as a tool with humans is hopefully a way to balance that. And, you know, have that human and consciousness Im- imbued within the technology. Um, yeah, everyone I know who like teaches about AI and like how to use it for marketing and this and that. I mean, everyone says you always have to take whatever result you get from ChatGPT or whatever AI you're using. You always have to look at it. You have to tweak it. You have to make sure there are no hallucinations in it because AI has been known to completely make things up. Um, such as, uh, uh, the lawyer, right? Who submitted a whole brief, uh, with, with citing, uh, cases that never existed. Yes. And, and actually we were speaking anecdotally when we were planning to do the show about something I had presented at a conference, you know, anecdotes ripped from the headlines about an undergraduate student who got his hands on a developmental AI tool that was still in development and decided for fun to make articles that were sort of self-help. And I think it was on Discord or Reddit that he put them. And he, all he did was write the title and ask the AI to write the article Hmm. and posted them and didn't denote that the AI wrote the article and put himself as like, you know, a a psychiatrist or something, you know, something accredited in in some way. Um, And he got a lot of responses of people thanking and saying how helpful the articles were and they they helped them in all these ways. And it was interesting enough because I think it was a hackers forum as well. One person actually said, hey, I don't think this was written by a person. This is written by AI. And all the other commenters jumped on that person saying, you're not engaging in the spirit of what this is about. If you don't like it, you can ignore it, that kind of thing. And maybe you just don't know what a good therapist is and all that stuff. And then, of course, he did then come clean and say, oh, actually, this was AI generated and it was kind of an experiment. But I think it brings up a lot of interesting questions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. around trust and right. and transparency. So does it matter if the article that you read or book or radio show or podcast that you listen to, whatever it may be, had information that you felt helped you and made you feel better? Does it matter if an AI created it or a human? Right. Does it matter more or less if you know or don't know, you know what I mean? Like, so if you were aware that it was done artificially, but you still liked it, then it was at least a transparent understanding of this is where this came from. And I think that's where those things are kind of get, you know, they intersect and they're troubling because of some things around deep fakes and, you know, giving false um, attribution to people for things that didn't happen. And that's where it gets a little murky. And, and, you know, and that's why we're looking at sort of regulations that are sensible so we can reap these benefits without suffering the worst outcomes. So for example, the U.S. and other governments may require that tech companies get permits before certain kinds, you know, of permits before developing the models. So mm. above, above a certain parameter size, right? It, it might require that image generator software has to have non-removable watermarks on images that it creates. So, you know, and I'm just giving a few little examples. So there's, there's a lot here. Um, right. Technology. Right. Sorry. 
No, it's okay, but because I, I could talk with you for hours, but we got to take our last break. And then when we come back, wrap things up. And so I would like to wrap things up with what do you see in the immediate future? And, and with a particular focus around AI applications in healthcare and health and wellness, what do you see? Like, what do you, what would you predict as being like a revolution that we'll see that we're not expecting today? Okay. Okay. Awesome. So everyone, please stay tuned. You're listening to the Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity. We're talking this hour with Dr. Natanya Wachtel, and we'll be right back and wrap it all up in just a moment. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and intangify your business today. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. All right, Dr. Natanya. So to finish up, let's um, do a little prognostication. And and with what you're seeing, and you you have some some access to things that I think most people don't, what do you think will be the the most immediate, like in the next two years, three years, where do you think AI is going to make the biggest impact when it comes to healthcare and health and wellness? Okay, that's a loaded question. I'll do my best. So, okay. yes, I believe that technology is playing a crucial role in reshaping all of our behavior, right? So there's wearables, we have health tracking, excuse me, health tracking apps, and almost 90% of users of these devices and apps have said that these things have played a crucial improvement mm. in their overall health consciousness. And that's also a Pew study from 2022, and it's it's going upwards, right? There has been major changes in FDA regulations and reimbursements for digital therapeutics. So meaning you go to the clinician with a depression diagnosis or other opioid use disorder or other, right? And instead of getting an RX, you get 
an, a tr- an excuse me, an RX for like a compound that you ingest, you get an RX to use an app. And that is starting, and this is, again, the, the foothold is, right? Telemedicine has skyrocketed. Obviously, COVID exacerbated this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're on an upper trajectory of most people using this as an integrative system between themselves and their health and well-being. So I think one of the areas is mental and emotional health care that's going to transform because we perceive those to be, other than, let's say, computer-aided surgery, in mental health, we, we feel that's sort of a layer deeper into self and human and what makes us human. And I think that's why it's so interesting about that intersection, because that's where it gets sticky, right? So a lot of the healthcare talk about AI is about these physical ailments, right? And performing surgery, mm-hmm. managing chronic disease. And there's a lot less about how we could really understand and treat mental and emotional well-being mm-hmm. and have people feel trust in that and then the transparency. So because these are sort of like less tangible, often less quantifiable, subjective issues rather than sub- you know, physical decisions, making these diagnoses are are more nuanced. It's more nuanced in our understanding of mental states and behavior patterns. So analyzing data from many activities, though, on a large scale, including things like social media usage, language, mm. lexicon, tone, in, in Evermore, you know, Ivy Michelle, the, the creator, did an incredible and very, very labor-intensive effort to develop an empathy trademark AI that has in it, you know, the ability to understand intent, cadence, timber, everything around how we say what we say versus what we overtly say, right? That a therapist just may or may not be able to pick up as a human being. So there's, there's sort of, it's controversial, but it's actually a powerful tool in ways that not everyone might, might realize, right? So voice intonation is another one in terms of predicting that mental health before they occur. So predictive and, and we're working on things that predict not only self-harm, but predicting people who may be thinking about harming others. So think uh, about that. Okay. So this is there's an ethical consideration here, just right. Quickly, right. So if you then can predict a depressive episode or anxiety attack, can you manipulate that? Do you have a right to intervene if it hasn't happened yet? And then we get into sci-fi, like you said. Right, minority right. Report. Minority report. But yeah. minority report is not that far off, essentially, from what AI can do today. Wow. Wow. What What would you recommend to people listening on how to prepare for the changes that are coming? Like, like what type of mindset or like, what can people even do physically to, to help them to prepare? I think some basic advice. And, and again, I, I don't know where everyone's at who's listening today, but be mindful of what information you put out there on a daily basis is one thing. Um, people often are getting a little better about not putting their vacation plans and travel plans and boarding mm-hmm. passes and concert tickets and things with personally identifiable information mm-hmm. right all over the internet. Look at your privacy settings on your social media usage. Think about what you want out there because the reason you get to use that app for free is that they're using your data right. and to really understand that. That's also even in shopping. But there's also a misnomer, I know, and I'm not going to pick out any generation, but those who are, let's say, later to have technology enter into their lives to um, have this sense of shopping in a retail store is more secure than shopping online. And at this point in time, that unless it's a cash 
transaction. That's not true anymore. Everything is in the cloud and all of your data, all of your financial records, all of your legal records, all of your health data is in the cloud. So I would say things like um, DNA companies, uh, Ancestry, and and I won't name them, but you know those kinds yeah. of things. Just remember, you're giving up your genetic code to a a company that can do things with it, even though they say they don't intend to, they might not. But because it's out there, it can be their data breaches daily, right? right that we hear right. about. So just thinking about sort of data hygiene for yourself and reading up on that and maybe even using AI to query, yeah. what can I do to, to, to protect my data as best as I can, but not live in fear of it and seek out tools that enhance your daily life with that data. So like I said, there are many apps and tools out there that actually have been shown to really help people and maybe try them out and see how it, how it works in your life and sort of your off world or offline, if you will, existence mm-hmm. in, you know, forest bathing and meditation and everything else and integrate these into sort of those times when you can't. Right. Wonderful. Wonderful. We, we've only got a couple of minutes left. I did want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about women who create and what's that all about? Oh, thank you. Uh, so we're always needing help and it is a nonprofit that is solely funded by generous donations of organizations and individuals of time and resources mm-hmm. to help essentially share the stage with those who might not have generational wealth, who have been marginalized, who have been not given the same opportunities generationally as well as currently um, in the minority community. And so we are looking to have more mentors. We have a mentor program that cycles every few months. It's not super high time commitment. Mm-hmm. Many of the mentees have stated they had never thought they could qualify for a mentor, didn't know how to ask for one. Mm-hmm. And we've done surveys to say, you know, how impactful the program is for them. So we're always looking for those. Um, there are different times of the year that the, t- the program starts and stops. You can go to the website and check that out or reach out to me for more information. We are looking for funding always to help with our scholarship program, which is uh, actually sad for me that we can't give it to almost everyone who applies because the applications are speaking of, as you said in the very beginning, not a dry eye in the room. The board is often, you know, heart wrecked, you know, around mm. how do we choose because there are so many worthy young women or those who identify as female who are trying to make a difference in this world, make this world better, mm. creative ideas in the space of tech, in the space of fashion, in the space of creative arts, you know, that are just need a little boost and can do so much good in the world. So we're just grateful for any support that we can get. Wonderful. Wonderful. And since you mentioned it, if people do want to learn more about you, get in touch with you, learn more about your company, New Solutions Network, how, how do they find you? I think LinkedIn is probably the best way. I do have a personal website, NatanyaWachtel.com, and a professional website, NewSolutionsNetwork.com. But LinkedIn is probably the best way to be the catch-all. And I'm, I'm open to connecting with anyone who reaches out. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Natanya, for taking the time to come on my show today. It's been a pleasure. I literally could talk to you for hours and hours about this stuff and and, and have wonderful conversations. Um, So I truly appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. It was great. Thank you. And of course, thank you, my loyal listeners, as always, for tuning in each week. Without you, there is no show. I so appreciate, especially my loyal listeners who show up every week like Patty. 
Um, and don't forget, if you missed any part of today's show, you can always catch the replay on talkradio.nyc. And of course, the Conscious Consultant Hour is on all your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find the Conscious Consultant Hour. Thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget, later today, Frank... Uh, Harrison returns with the show, Frank, about health. And on Friday, tomorrow, of course, we have uh, Philanthropy in Focus, always Friday in Tangify, and our newest show, The Hard Skills with Dr. Mira Branku. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you all next week. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.